Our scripture today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start this morning with um, a bit of a poll, um, and the poll is this. Here we go. Would you ra- which would you rather do, watch TV or go for a walk? So let's have the TV people first. If you'd rather watch TV than go for a walk, raise your hand. Okay, you can be honest. It's okay. There's no shame here. It's a safe place, safe space. Hands up if you'd rather go for a walk. Okay, so it's, it's not, it's, you know, there's a, there's a significant representation of um, both groups. Uh, here's my next question. Which is easier for you, to watch TV or to go for a walk? If, you're, if it's easier for you to watch TV, put your hands up. Okay, and if it's easier for you to go for a walk, raise your hands. Okay. All right. All right. I see. I see you liars. I mean, I see those people. If, 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 if putting on shoes and walking out of the door, putting on your weather appropriate clothes is easier than picking up a remote and pressing a button. Again, it's not preference, but um, it's, it's interesting because I'm in the second part of the first poll, I'd rather go for a walk, but man, it is easier to watch TV. So much easier to watch TV. I think I advanced the slide. There we go. This is what's... Um, so Stacy and I were chatting uh, in the office this week, and we're going through this book called Resilient by John Eldridge. And the subtitle for this book is Restoring Your Weary Soul in These Turbulent Times. I just say that sentence and it's like a sigh escapes from my soul restoring your weary soul in these turbulent times and I need a book like this Um, at the same time as we're reading this book I'm doing a parallel exercise also by John Eldridge it's called 30 days too resilient uh, and it's on this free app called the pause app Uh, there's a 10 minute morning meditation and a 10 minute evening meditation and uh, it is extremely helpful so I would highly recommend that if you're a reader maybe checking out Resilient um, or 
If you're more of a listener, uh, then maybe check out the app called Pause. Um, feel free to uh, you know, either take a picture of the screen or to, uh, uh, when, when this goes online, you can have a look and we'll have the notes or, or the links in the show notes. Um, but all that to say, Stacey and I were chatting as we discussed chapter two of the book and during our somewhat reflective conversation, we were talking about binge watching TV and how easy it is and how much easier it is than, you know, say, going out for a walk. Um, Even if we know in here that out there is much, much better for our souls. And even if you don't binge watch TV, you only watch one or two shows, let's say you have that level of self-control, the fact still remains, and this is what jumped out to me in our conversation, that it's only since the late 20th century with cable and then with streaming that we have had this option of consuming content that is so readily available to us. Okay, never in human history have we had such easy access to so much content that we can consume. And even that language has changed, right? We no longer watch a show or a YouTube video. Instead, you know, at least in the industry, they say we are consuming content. There are content creators and there are content consumers. I'm a content creator. This is going to go out later. And for the three people who watch online, they're our, they're our, they're our, uh, content consumers. On the Tuesday night while Wendy was at work, Maya and I were at home. We were watching one of those new Christmas movies. And all I can say is that it was a decidedly unsatisfying affair. There was nothing wrong with the movie per se, but I, as I turned that movie off at the end, during the end credits, I felt icky and unsettled. It hadn't scratched that itch that I hoped it would. And it wasn't even a Hallmark movie. This is like another movie. So Hallmark is a whole other category of ickiness and unsettledness if I ever catch myself watching one of those. Apologize if I've offended anyone this morning. So I was watching this movie hoping that it would help me relax, um, but it left me unsatisfied. And I realized that I wasn't actually watching the movie. I wasn't invested in it. I was consuming content. I was doing something else as I was watching the movie. Someone else had created the content and I was consuming the content. Watching TV is so much easier than going for a walk. And only, and so folks in the 1600s, they didn't, chillax. People in the 1700s didn't veg. People in the 1800s didn't doom scroll. And people in the 1900s didn't binge watch. Yet these words are all part of our everyday vocabulary. This morning, I don't want to, you know, you know, to aim at the low-hanging fruit of consuming content because it's way too easy. And secondly, because I know that I'm the problem. But what I do want to do for us, or what I want to encourage us to do today is to go for a walk. Going for a walk outside is good for the soul, and going for a walk inside is also good for the soul. So if you've got limited mobility, there's no reason for you not to go for a walk, going for a walk inside. So I'm inviting us this morning to rewild our hearts, 
Rewild our hearts. I love that phrase, rewilding. It's a phrase that I really came across when I last went over to the UK, which is a big thing at the moment, uh, is rewilding. And rewilding is to restore an area of land to its uncultivated state. To restore an area of land to its uncultivated state. So I wonder this morning, how wild is your heart? Or has your heart been overly civilized? Have you forgotten what it is to be in the wild, in the wilderness? Because it's in the wilderness that God speaks. Time and time again in the Bible, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, speaks to people while they are in the wilderness. He spoke to Adam, he spoke to Abraham, he spoke to Hagar, he spoke to Moses, he spoke to David, he spoke to Elijah, he spoke to Jesus, and he spoke to Paul as long as well as many others in the wilderness. Now the Hebrew word midbar is used between 255 and 300 times in the Old Testament. That's the Hebrew word for wilderness, midbar. While its New, New, New Testament counterpart, Eremos, also wilderness, shows up nearly 50 times. So you've got midbar and you've got Eremos. And as soon as I heard these words as a Tolkien fan, something just grabbed my heart uh, because I could easily see Midbar and Eremos showing up on some ancient map or some fantasy map. Uh, So this is how I see it showing up in this fictitious uh, Middle Earth-esque epic that I've not yet written, but maybe I one day will. After the war, The dwarves left their home of Midbar in the Second Age, long before the coming of the mere folk. After months of living off the land, avoiding the towns and cities of men, the dwarves of Midbar came came upon the sand elves in the region of Eremos, to whom they sent envoys to negotiate for peace. Everyone say, ooh, (laughs) sounds exciting. I want to read that book. I want to read that book. But Midbar and Eremos, both of them mean wilderness. And together, they show up over 300 times in the Bible. That is a lot of times for this word. This sermon series is called Make Some Noise. And so I invite us this Advent to go for a walk, a wander into Midbar and Eremos, into the wilderness, so that we can hear the noises and the sounds and the voices that we can only hear in the wild. Mark 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. What is this noise that we hear in the wilderness? We hear a voice. We hear a lone voice a solitary voice. Maybe this voice is heard against the backdrop of whistling wind and the crunch of our shoes on sand and the howl of wolves. It's a voice that we would not have heard if we'd stayed in our living room or in our kitchen, in our climate-controlled home. And this voice is calling, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. God is speaking out of the wilderness through his prophet. This is a voice that you only hear if you venture into the wilderness, as you rewild your hearts this Advent, 
as you make room in your life for the starkness of silence and the discomfort of solitude, you start to hear and discern the voices that matter. These calls from history, the sound of the spiritual. God speaks out of the wilderness much more than he speaks in the mall. And the first cry that we hear is, prepare the way. This means that there is work to be done. There is a task that is unfinished. There is a job for us to do. Prepare the way. God doesn't prepare his own way. We prepare the way for him. The ones who know enough to listen, who were wise enough to turn off and to tune in. These are the ones who prepare, who get their souls ready for rewilding. Who know that the footsteps of the Creator resound in the canyons in the way that they will never on luxury vinyl flooring. Prepare the way. The first cry, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This week's Isaiah passage and Markan passage, they actually coalesce in the person of John the Baptist, a wild man, a hunter, a gatherer, a recluse, a lone voice from a lone man. A man who is not welcome in polite society. A voice that you have to journey in order to hear. If you stay in the malls, what you hear is chestnuts roasting on an open fire. If you stay in the malls, you hear, baby, it's cold outside. If you stay in the malls, you hear, the weather outside is frightful. The fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go altogether, let it snow. Three times, that's it. Like every good sermon, three times. (laughs) In the malls, you're encouraged to stay in, to keep safe and warm, because the weather outside is frightful. But in the wilderness, you hear a different message. You hear a call to repentance. The mall says, carry on the way that you're going. The wilderness cries, change the way you're living. The steaming hot cider in the kitchen cries, nothing ever changes. But the wild man in the canyon cries, everything can change. In the wilderness, there's a preaching of a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness without repentance, without a change of mind, without a change of heart. The mall says, keep on giving in to your desires. Netflix says, just one more show. But the prophetic voice in the wilderness calls out, you can be forgiven. You can have a brand new start. You can be cleansed of all past wrongs. You can be washed clean. Choose repentance. I want to pause for a moment and I want to allow ourselves time to ask our souls this question. What is the voice in the wilderness 
what is the voice in the wilderness? What is the voice of God calling out to you? What is the voice in the wilderness, the voice of God calling out to you? Let's just pause and listen to his. If it helps you to close your eyes, then close your eyes. Here's another question to meditate on. In what way is God inviting you to rewild your heart? In what way is God inviting you to re rewild your heart? Just listen to him, listen to the spirit. We're remaining in the desert. And as we're in the desert, in the wilderness, we notice that our ears are starting to attune to the sounds of nature, the sounds of the wild, the noises that we could not hear before. And over the sound of the wind and the crunch of the shoes on sandy rock, we hear another cry. And this cry is this, that life is short. Life is short. Now, we understand that God is calling us into the wilderness, into Midbar, into Eremos, in order to get back into touch with things that matter. We know that God is calling us to take a break from the trappings of technology and easy distractions so that we can tune our ears to hear his eternal voice. But what does this second cry mean, that life is short? So in faith, we continue listening, and this is what we hear a voice cries out. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Isaiah 46 through 8, we look around the wilderness, the wild scenery surrounding us, and we start to notice the temporary nature of the things that live. We see the flowers, the wild flowers that are going over. We see the grasses that are turning brown. We notice over there the carcass of a rabbit, and we look up and we see a vulture circling above. Clearly, we've just disturbed his meal, so we move on. And as we wander on, we notice words scratched in the bark of a stunted tree. And the words say this, John and Sarah forever. They're encircled by a heart. And under the heart is a date, the 14th of February, 1928. 
And we feel a pang in our hearts that the only thing that still remains of that relationship is this etching on a tree. And this brings to mind our relationships that have failed or fallen or broken. The loved ones that we've lost. And we think of the Christmas coming up and the people who will not be sat around the table this year. The ones whose presence we miss so keenly. And again, we hear that refrain carried on the breeze out here in the wilderness. All people are like grass. All their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fall. And part of the rewilding of the soul this Advent is being realistic. It's embracing that which is real, which includes the passage of time, the loss of loved ones, and the temporary nature of this earthly experience. Life is short, Friends, the more wants you to get stuck in nostalgia. Hallmark wants, to, wants you to get lost in a pleasant fiction. But the voice that matters, the voice of the wilderness, cries, prepare the way. And the voice of the wilderness gently reminds us that life is short. As we rewild our hearts... Let's pause for a moment and let's ask Jesus this. Jesus loves you. What loss or void can you bring to him this morning? Jesus loves you. What loss or void can you bring to him this morning? Just have this moment with him. If there's a name or a situation that comes to mind, feel free just to whisper it to him. You don't need to say any more. Just say that name. He's hearing. He understands. Let me ask you again, in what way is God inviting you to rewild your heart? The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. Isaiah 47 and 8. In this place of wildness, of quiet, of barrenness, of lone voices, the word of our God endures forever. The word is the Bible, the revelation of God in the pages of a book. 
This word withstands the passage of time and remains standing after all else fails. That is the word, but the word is also Jesus. The revelation of God, not in the pages of a book, but in the frame of a human being who experienced everything that you experienced or are experiencing. And because of his death and resurrection, this word, this word of Jesus Christ, this word of the Bible, will stand the passage of time. And the love message that's etched in wood by a cruel Roman nail is as relevant now as it was when it was first carved. So when surrounded by the reality that life is short, the love of Jesus endures. It, is, it alone is enough to carry you through, through this life and the next. In our wilderness journey, we move into a wadi canyon. A wadi is a dry riverbed, but it can fill up in a moment when the rains come. And as we wander up the wadi canyon, still trying to find the source of that elusive voice, we can hear our footsteps echoing off the sides of the wadi. We stumble a couple of times on the loose rocks under our feet, but we regain our footing and we keep going. And we look up and we see this serpentine blue sky like a river slithering between the rim of each side of the wadi. And as we listen to the echo of our footsteps, we hear yet another cry. Not the cry, prepare the way, not the cry that life is short, but this cry says, just be honest. Just be honest. Mark 1 verse 5 says this, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Just be honest. The prerequisite to, uh, to baptism, to being cleansed in the river, was the confession of sins. And friends, as we navigate this Advent season, it is all too easy to accrue sins, to allow sin to stick to us like birds attach themselves to our dog Ollie when we're out for a walk. That's what sin is able to do. And sometimes those birds can be pulled off. It's not the most, ex most comfortable experience as it pulls off the hair, but it's not impossible. But sometimes those birds are so ingrained wrapped in hair the only way to get them out is to cut them out to do the hard business of losing hair and gaining a, a bald patch for the greater good of removing the burr and that's what repentance is it's overcoming the um, stickiness of sin by telling god what he already knows by asking him to remove the sin sin is like that that echo in the wadi an echo is an audible reflection of an action that's already taken place. I stamp on the floor and a second later I hear that, that stamp being echoed. I shout and that echo reminds me that I've just shouted. And for some of us, these, um, we have these reverberations of past sins and past failures echoing all around us. And if we have enough echoes surrounding us before long, it's all that we can hear. We become disorientated. And if we stay too long in that echo chamber of the wadi of sin, eventually the floods will come and wash us away. And we won't even hear them coming. And the only way out of that predicament is to climb the sides of the wadi. But if you know anything about a wadi, the, the walls are too steep. You cannot get yourself out. 
And so over the sound of the echo of your sin and over the sound of this coming flash flood, you hear a voice saying, take my hand. And confession and repentance is simply taking the hand of Jesus, telling him that you're sorry for having gone it alone, doing your own thing, living for yourself, and then placing your entire well-being, the entire weight of your existence in his strong hand. And as you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Jesus's arm is not too short to save. His hand is strong enough to pull you out of the wadi. Friends, being in the wilderness means coming to terms with your sin and your failure, but not so that you can get lost in it or dwell in it, You come to terms with your sin, you confess your sin so that Jesus can rescue you, so that he can heal you, and so that he can walk with you the rest of your wilderness journey. So let's do another little bit of rewilding. As we we rewild our hearts, let's pause for a moment and listen. In the wadi, What are the sins or regrets that you hear echoing around? And I invite you just to tell God what he already knows. That is what what confession is. So if there's anything in your mind that that you don't hear anything beyond because it's, it's just echoing, just say to God what that is. Just one word that represents that thing and he will take that as a confession. Now say to Jesus, I take your hand. I trust you to save me. Let's just take a few moments as you speak those words, as you whisper those words under your breath to a Jesus who's there poised and ready to lift you out. I take your hand. I trust you to save me. Let's just speak those words out all together so that if there's anyone who needs to say these words but they don't want to whisper for fear of other people hearing, um, let's just speak them all out together after three. Three, two, one. I take your hand. I trust you to save me. And one more time. I take your hand. I trust you to save me. We've been talking this Advent about making some noise, but the noise that so often fills our environments is the wrong kind of noise. 
It's a noise that lulls us into complacency through binge-watching Hallmark or die-hard movies or through wandering around the Christmas displays at the mall. This noise can start to look like graffiti on our heart. Now more than ever, we need to leave that noise and allow our souls the freedom of the wilderness, a place where we can breathe, a place where we can think, a a place where we can hear a different noise. And this noise is a voice. It's a voice of one who cries out, prepare the way. Life is short. Just be honest. And it's only as we embrace the frailty of life and the reality of sin that we are then ready for the good news. Verse 9 of Isaiah 40 says this, You who bring good news to Zion, go up, on a, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Through rewilding, we disentangle ourselves even for a moment from our day-to-day lives. Through rewilding, we create enough space to hear a cry, to hear a shout, a shout of good news, a shout of gospel, a proclamation of hope. Here is your God. You You see, friends, it's so easy to lose God in the crowd However, if we search for him, we will find him. We will say to God, ah, there you are. And God will say, I was here all along waiting for you to find me. Our hearts are in desperate need of rewilding. So I implore you this Advent season to take some time alone, to take some time in quiet, to take some time to follow the voice that's calling you to prepare the way to acknowledge that life is short and to take the risk of just being honest, to experience the saving power of Jesus as he saves you from the echo chamber of sin and shame. Here is your God, the baby laid in the manger, Emmanuel. Here is your God, the Messiah who healed the sick and sought the lost. Here is your God, the suffering servant who hung on the cross for me and for you. Here is your God, the powerful king who rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. Here is your God. And God is found in the wild. God is found in the rewilded heart. So just listen for that voice and follow it. Mm -hmm.